Hi and welcome to yet another episode of Adventures in .NET. I'm Christian Menz, one of your hosts, uh, together with, with my friend and colleague Adam Firmanek. Nice to meet you folks. And today uh, we once again have a special guest. It will be a great episode. We have Scott Arbeit here. Hi Scott. Hello. Where are you uh, calling in from today? I'm calling in from uh, just outside Seattle in Issaquah, Washington. Oh, fantastic. So uh, happy to have you on board today. Uh, so uh, what what have you been working on? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, uh, I, you know, my, my, my day job is I work for GitHub. Um, I, uh, uh, I'm a technical architect at GitHub, so I help customers do whatever they need to do um, to use our platform well and maybe fill in some glue in places where, you know, the, the, where we can add to the product. Um, uh, my, uh, I think we're, we're, we're really here to talk about my side project, which is a brand new source control system uh, called Grace. And uh, happy Fantastic. to go into quite a bit of detail about that. Oh, uh, absolutely. I always love that. I mean, um... What was what was the first control system you you all have been using? I think I, I did Visual Source Safe for a yeah, while. No, no, before that I think I did BAK files uh, via FTP or something. Uh, okay. But uh, but but yeah yeah yeah. So fixed in the Source Safe and then sure. uh, CVS right, and then SVN. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then wasn't that then this discussion? whether Mercurial or Git kind of would be better. Mm -hmm. And supposedly it was Mercurial, but Git, Git won at the end, maybe because of its uh, famous, uh, famous inventor. I don't know. Or maybe it was just superior. It, it, it's interesting. I mean, I, I think GitHub won. GitHub. Git, I think Git won for, for a couple of reasons. Um, first of all, uh, I think the, the branching mechanism, the lightweight branching, and, and for those of us who came from, I came from SourceSafe and I spent a lot of years using TFS. I was a TFS administrator. So if you've ever installed TFS and had to install SharePoint and had to install SQL Server, and all, like I've been there, right? Um, so um, um, I think, you know, when you look at what branching was in some of those older source control systems, a branch was this really heavyweight thing that was a kind of a stop the world event. And, and Git came along and said, branches are just a reference. It's super easy, lightweight, go make as many as you want. I think that helped. And, and I think the ephemeral working directory, like the idea that you had a working directory, but like where your source code was kept was in another directory. In, in this case, the .git directory, .git objects, um, made made Git feel much lighter weight, even though it's more complex. So I think that helped it win. And also like give credit to GitHub. GitHub popularized it and put it on the web in, in a way that was unique. And, and uh, you know, ultimately how trends happen in our business is kind of interesting, um, but... But Git clearly has won. Git has ninety four percent of the market, or something like that. And okay, well, uh, you know, and yet, and yet, and yet, new things will come. So they they always will. Yeah, the other thing that Git had unique at the time, at least from my perspective, but I never used uh, Source Save and other dinosaur technologies you folks mm -hmm. mentioned, is that uh, it could work offline. You could do yeah. anything without talking to the main server and TFS and its locking mechanism. That was quite a hike, right? Yeah, yeah. That was painful. Um, so, you know, like I, 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 the offline aspects of Git uh, were important in its development. I, I think when you look back at the, the particularly what, you know, it was invented in 2005. So when you look back at the 
the uh, the world of computers in 2005, if you were in the quote unquote developed world, well, you had a good internet connection and you had a good enough computer. But in lots of places in the world, you didn't have a steady internet connection or you had a very slow internet connection if you had one and you had smaller computers, smaller disks. So the the constraints in which Git was written, and, and again, by a kernel developer, right? So, you know, Linus is brilliant. Um, Linus thinks in terms of how can I pack things the most densely and ship the fewest amount of bytes over the wire, like as he should, like that's what kernel developers do. I, I love assembly language. My second language when I was 11 years old was 6502 assembly. Like it's cool to be down to the metal. Um, but, uh, but ultimately like those constraints from 2005 don't apply anymore. Um, and, and, and as you look ahead, like, I mean, and I say that because Grace is a centralized version control system. Grace does require an online connection to do anything, uh, more than anything trivial. And, um, I mean, you can still work if you happen to be offline, you can change your code there and we'll catch up when you reconnect, but you need to be connected. And, um, I think, you know, even starting today in 2023 and looking ahead to satellite internet, um, and just, you know, looking ahead to when something might take over from Git in 2026, 27, 28, like the internet connection thing won't be a problem anymore. Um, so, you know, there's, there's, you know, you have to kind of, as they say in hockey, skate to where the puck is going. <laughs> so. Yeah, there is always one thing, which was pretty hard for me in the early days of my, of me using Git is like, and I heard many people did the same. I mean, it's quite easy to break something in Git. I mean, when you start doing rebase, squashing stuff, branching and other, and other things, some people even recommend you, yeah, before doing all of that, just copy things on the site. And obviously, yeah. once you learn Git, and especially once you learn Git reflog, you, you are good to go, right? Git reflog is actually the, the, the most powerful command, in my opinion, for Git. Like, and I, I'm just wondering, and it's always surprising me, that many people, many developers, they don't know this command at all. And they still copy Git repositories on the site. So even though Git is super powerful and like once you learn Git reference, it's super easy, still some people struggle with using that. Complain about documentation, about the comments and the naming conventions and all those comments. So generally getting these things, even though Git is prevalent, doesn't mean it's perfect in all these aspects. Yeah, you know, Git, Git certainly has a... And, and, you know, actually, before I continue, let, let me just... Let, let me make a couple of... Um, um, a couple of disclaimers. Um, for, first of all, um, I should have started with this. Like, I do work for GitHub, and I am talking about a source control system. Um, however, this is a side project. I want to be very clear. This I am not announcing anything in terms of GitHub. I'm not like this is not a, a GitHub project that I'm talking about. So I'm I'm inspired to. I was inspired to work on it by my experience at GitHub, and I and I you know we can talk about that. Um, but like, I just want to be very clear. I'm not announcing anything on behalf of GitHub at all. So that's the first thing. And the second thing I want to say is like, as we talk about source control and talk about Git and some of its challenges, um, I have the privilege of knowing some of the core maintainers of Git. Uh, my first role at GitHub was as the product manager for Git systems. And that's the team that actually codes and runs the, the you know the the system that support 250 million or I don't remember what our current public number is, um, but but you know nine figures worth of worth of repositories, and um, welcome Sean um, and 
Uh, and so like those, those developers and particularly the ones that work on core Git are, are the, some of the most impressive engineers I've ever known in my entire career. They're amazing developers. And, and when I, if I say anything mean about Git and I probably will, um, that is not a reflection. That's why we're all here for, right? (laughs) (laughs) That is not, not a reflection on, on how much I I love and respect that entire team. They're, they're amazing. Um, with that said, you know, certainly Git has significant UX challenges. Um, Git is really hard to learn. It is very confusing to learn. It requires you to shift the way you think to mold your mind into how it views the world. And and like that is, to some extent, the definition of bad user experience. Um, You know, good UX is one that's a little easier to adopt. And I've worked really hard in Grace to go for that, like easy to use, easy to understand. And still also, powerful. the vocabulary, I think, sorry for interrupting, but the vocabulary yeah. thing is also also important, right? So push commits, especially when coming right. from older systems, right? Um, right. What, you know, and, and also, it, it is, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, you know, it's, it's interesting, like, like, one question that comes up a lot is, is like, why is Git complicated? And, and some of it, I think, is, well, it was developed by a kernel developer. Um, you know, I don't usually look to kernel developers for good UX, like, that's not how they view the world and that's okay. Um, the, the second thing though, is, is that it is distributed and ultimately, you know, Git's job is to synchronize uh, a pile of bits across space and time. And uh, that is a mathematically complicated thing to do. And, um, and the command surface to make that happen is necessarily uh, uh, somewhat complex. It doesn't necessarily have to be the way Git does it. There are other projects that we'll talk about that are doing that still do distributed, but do it in a maybe easier easier way. Um, but I think the fact that it's distributed adds a layer of complexity, which is why I chose not to. I chose to do centralized because there's an entire layer of complexity, like pushes and pulls, for instance. Like there is no pull gesture in Grace. There is no push gesture in Grace. There's not. They're not required. Um, so so I don't have like. It's not a pull request. In, for instance, in Grace, it would be a promotion request, and we'll talk about that. But, okay. Um, but but yeah, I, I, you know, it's it's a fascinating thing. It's also interesting, I think, to watch people's emotional reaction when I talk about this. Um, um, people are there. Some are really emotionally attached to Git, um, and I think, you know, it's a hard one skill, and and I completely understand that. Like, if you put in the work, like you like, you know, Adam, you talked about Reflog. Um, you're right. Like I, I, my anecdotal this is completely anecdotal. I don't know the actual numbers is like 15, 20% of Git users really le- learn it and know it and feel comfortable in it and aren't afraid of it. And the truth is 80% are like, again, I'm making up that number, but I think that's probably close to true. Um, you know, that it's that old uh, XKCD comic about like, here's Git. What is it? And how do you use it? Well, just memorize these five commands, and if anything goes wrong, delete your repo. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, that's how I wrote exactly it. what I meant, <laughs> right? And and I think that's where most people are with with Git. Um, and and at some point, we need to stop blaming the users for being there for like getting that far and no further. Like at some point, we have to look at the software and go, what is causing people to only go so far with it? Um, yeah, and, and, especially and, that like uh, when we think about Git source control, that's my opinion. It's not the main tool under our belt. I mean, we do use it, but we don't use it for the sake of using it, right? It's just the tool that helps us do the work. We are not like a Git developers, right? We are .NET right. developers or whatever else, and Git just helps us do the work. And if it it makes it harder 
then it's actually like against the point. For in my case, for instance, I'm super used to Git extensions, not to mention to you know recommend right. anything, right? right? But I just know this UI, I like it, I know how to, I see branches. This is something that I lack when I go to, I don't know, Visual Studio Code, IntelliJ IDEA, or whatever else, right? I just don't see what's there in my repository. And I like I could learn commands, but that's not about about that. I just get, get completely lost because I don't know what's there. Completely agree. And Git extensions is wonderful. It's a I, that, that's that's a UI that I that I used to use a lot. Um, I mean, yeah. I, I understand the the sometimes uh, religious attachment uh, to to whatever you are using, right? Sure. But I mean. If you know something really inside out and are a bright thinker, at least, you know, that's kind of my lackless test, right? Mm -hmm. I always ask, name three things that are absolute crap in X. And if you know it well enough, you can name those three. And mm -hmm. if you can't, then chances are either you don't know the technology well enough to know not only the, the, the happy path, right? Or you are a lobbyist in a way. Right or mm -hmm. you're promoting something, so that's why I always, always, even with with the things that that are really dear to my heart, technology-wise, as much as something technology-wise can be dear to your heart, even those things I constantly challenge because only then I know what could be better or if there's even an alternative. Right, so I'm super, super okay. eager to hear <laughs> what what your learnings with uh, from yeah. from Git, so to speak, were. And uh, what what grade you X uh, or DX uh, you you came up with? So I'm really well, intrigued. I, 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 it, it's you know I, I, it is interesting. I, I think when people do get attached to their to their technologies, and you know we're gonna Grace is written in F sharp, um, mm -hmm. so I, you know that was for me doing a deep dive on on functional and and um, uh, and that is another area where people are super attached to object oriented and. Um, uh, and and the practices that are included in object oriented, like dependency injection and mocking and things that you don't actually need in the functional world, and and people have, again have emotional reactions to it. it it's kind of interesting. Um, what I um, uh, as far as you know, Grace itself, the way I've tried to make it simple is again, first of all, it's centralized, so there's no pushing and pulling. There's no confusion about what's local or not. In if you're familiar with Git sparse checkout. Um, that's what is really happening locally. Like you have some of the, you have some of the repo, you have the most recent bits of the repo and the branches that you're interested in locally. Um, but all the history is really up on the server. And, um, uh, of course it's open source. Um, uh, uh, the, uh, I see you just put the chat in the link, uh, uh, link in the chat. I mean, um, uh, yeah, there's, uh, uh it is open source. Please go, go check it out. Uh, github.com slash Scott Arbeit slash grace, um, star the repo, watch the repo. I want all the stars. Thank you. Um, um, uh, but ultimately like what I wanted to do is get the simplest possible thing that worked and my inspiration my original original inspiration the first night i started having evil thoughts about uh doing this was thinking about the onedrive sync client and whether you're familiar with onedrive or dropbox or or whatever system you're, you're familiar with the onedrive sync client about three or four years ago got really good like they rewrote it from scratch and it just it just works like it's the slash ijw flag it just works um and it's so simple and just, and I started to think, wow, what if I, what if there was a source control system where whenever something got saved to disk, it just automatically got uploaded to the server? What, 
what functionality could we build if we had that kind of an automatic, just like ambient flow of, of source control? And that's really where it started. And that's a big part of, of Grace. Grace has a command called Grace Watch that watches your working directory. And every time you save a file on disk, it uploads not just that version of the file, but recomputes the SHA values for the directories that go all the way to the root. And so you have, so every time you save on disk, there's a fully, if you want to think of it as a completely unique version of the repository, all the way to the root that gets uploaded to the server. Um, and that is what I call a save. Um, and then you can... So it's you know, kind of like, it's kind of like a, a time machine, um, a macOS yeah. uh, time machine on steroids, right? That's exactly. In fact, that was the time machine was another inspiration for me um, yeah. when I thought about a fun functionality that I could offer to users. Once once we had that ambient sort of upload all the time, one of the things I really wanted to offer and will offer with Grace, I have not written it yet, but this idea of a time machine like UX, where you can just very quickly flip back and go, where was I? Like one of the things that I think, one of the questions that that um, hasn't really been asked in a while is what what else can we get from source control? Like we, we've added lots of functionality to our IDEs and they're beautiful. I love Visual Studio. I use VS Code. Um, um, and like we keep adding functionality at that level, but we haven't asked more of our source control systems in a long time. And, and I think um, one of the things you can get with that time machine like view is there's that famous line, especially for, you know, as programmers, when we get interrupted, it takes a while to reload state in our minds. Mm -hmm. And there's the famous number people say it's 18 minutes. I don't know. It depends on the person and the interruption. Right. Um, but, but there's this idea I had where like, if you could provide that time machine like view of here's what I was just working on, you could flip back and go, what were my last 20 saves and go, oh, yeah, yeah, I remember I did that. I did that. I tried that. That didn't work. I backed it out. I did that. I did that. Um, and and you could get maybe reload state in two minutes rather than 18 minutes and just kind of get back in the flow faster after every interruption. That's a feature that I really wanted to, to, to have in Grace. Um, but having that automatic save thing is um, very useful. Um, it enables some functionality. It's also like it makes people shift uncomfortably in their seat, uh, which I which I understand because you, you can easily get into, am I tracking whether somebody's working? Right. Okay. I and, was I was I was thinking something something else. I think there are kind of two two types of developers. Well, there's certainly more, but there are kind of two types of developers: those who kind of edit five files at once, and once they are done, they do save, save all. And then there are those developers that kind of save after every line. When I was younger, I mean, I wasn't saving. I was I was hitting Control S like five times just yeah. to make sure that the thing <laughs> is really written to this. Now, I mean, since the file then only changes on the first attempt, right? Yeah. Only on the first attempt, Grace would then upload, oh, yeah. right? Okay. I, I I I I compute the SHA and check. Did I already have this one? Cool. I ignored it. Okay. Okay. Um, Totally, totally. Um, I, I had to think. So about you that only before. take the only quote unquote, of course. You only take the uh, the the contents of the files, not the timestamps, right? I well, I I do capture them. Um, yeah. Uh, how that that that's an that's a, another interesting question that I think mm -hmm. as we go further into Grace's development, um, uh, when you, for instance, when when you. Um, you know, like you, you do your thing, you upload domain, right? Like you promote domain, right? You, in mm -hmm. other words, in other words, merge, right? It's not, it's not technically a merge, but you promote domain. And then some other user now has to, you know, rebase 
on on that new thing. Here's a question. When we download that new version of the file to their to their machine, do we put the current timestamp or do we put the timestamp of when that file was uploaded to Grace? Like yes. I, I I don't have an answer for that. It's a, I think that you know I could imagine that being a setting on a repo level. Um, but it's an interesting question to say what's what's valuable for different people in that. Yeah. Um, it's funny when you dive into the corners and the and the, the specific features, like how much um, you see how people think differently and use it differently. Um, but yeah, like so 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 having all those saves um, just to talk about you know the the potential downside is this idea of like well, gee, this developer hasn't done a save in two hours. Like what does that what does that mean? And and, th- and what it means is nothing. Like what it means is absolutely nothing. And I understand that there will be temptation from certain um, less informed managers, let's just say that, um, to use um, data, metadata that's generated by using a system that does automatic uploads um, uh, uh, for ill, right? That temptation will be there. And I, you know, the, and to some extent, the only defense I can make is to repeat over and over and over again, that's stupid, don't do that. Um, and I certainly will, you know, if, if Grace does catch on, that's that's a thing I'll be saying every time I talk about it is like, that is not what that feature is for. That feature is for developers. That feature is to make your life as a developer better. That's really what I'm interested in is writing features that make, I'm a developer. I, I've, I've been, I first started writing code when I was 11 years old. Like I love writing code. I still love writing up, writing code. That was 42 years ago. Um, next, next month of 42 years as a programmer next month. And like, I still love writing code. I still get that like little fist pump when like it works. Um, so like that, I, you know, I, I'm here for the love of the developers and, um, all the features I write are for that. So, um, so yeah, but, but, but having all those saves with that said, like with that potential downside address, like there's so much you can do with having, automatic saves the, the you know aside from like it's just ambient and it just works and it's just in the background and every time you save you know that your source control system is up to date um but you also then increase the speed of other commands so um there are are commands uh, and i'll get into why they're checkpoint commit and promote and and the idea for those is in git um commit is kind of uh overloaded right commit means i'm partially done with my work right um, and that's the kind of local commit, right? And then there's the, okay, I'm committing because I'm ready to do a merge. I'm ready to file the PR or push the, you know, whatever. Um, and uh, and it, and commit is also sort of a merge, sort of, kind of. Um, and, and like in Grace, I've really broken those things out. So there's this idea of a checkpoint. And a checkpoint, again, is a developer feature. It's for you to mark this version is when I finished part one of this work or part two of this work, or I did something interesting, whatever it is, it's for you to make to mark that version in whatever way you want. Um, but, and it gets rid of that whole, do I squash or not squash debate? That's what Git gets into when you have these intermediate commits. That's why we get into this. Do we squash or not squash? Like there's no, we don't have that in grace. We don't need it. Um, you just commit. And at some point, like, you know, the, there might be a PR where you get pushed back and you go, oh, I need to edit this. I need to fix this, whatever. You do another commit. Um, when you do that checkpoint or commit, if you were running Gracewatch and the files are already updated, well, that creating that commit or checkpoint or whatever is creating a database record. It happens in under a second. Um, it's super, super fast, assuming that you're within, you know, a couple hundred milliseconds of the data center, right? Um, so, uh, 
So you get a lot of performance benefits by running Gracewatch and having that automatic ambient upload happening. Um, and then when you do a promotion to main, and I'm calling it, there's promotion instead of merge, because technically it's not a merge. Technically it's, here's the, that entire re version of the repo that I created all the way up to the root that I pointed a commit at and said, this is the one that I think is good enough to be promoted. And then a bunch of people, you approve it. And you go, okay, promotion. And all I'm doing when I create a promotion is on main, I'm creating a reference that points to the same exact version of the files that's already there. It's again, I'm just creating a single database record effectively. So it's all those commands become super, super fast. I, I do have to, um, anyone who writes a source control system today has to think about the speed of Git. I mean, I give enormous credit. Again, like I, I know some of these engineers, they're incredible and, and Git locally is incredibly fast. Um, and so, so when you're doing a, a, an online system, you have to think about what can I um, be faster at and what can't I, like, I, like there are some things I can never be faster than Git at because it's local, but there are lots of things that I can be even faster at because I can do some of this work in the background ambient, you know, in an ambient way. Um, so that when it's time to do the thing you're asking for explicitly, it just happens really quick. Uh, and that's certainly something I've targeted um, for, you know, speed is part of UX. Yeah. Right. Good UX requires good performance. I'm a big believer in that. So, so, so kind of the, the, the mode in which I would be uh, developing with, with Grace is, you know, I, I do my coding. Like, let's just yeah. start with sole developer, right? So I do my coding, save this, there, there, and there. And then after an hour or so, I say, okay, now everything is working. And then I say, okay, I would like to have like a marker. And this is called mm -hmm. checkpoint, right? Yeah. And then later, if I mess things up half an hour later, I don't have to remember, okay, it was like 11 a.m. when the thing worked last time. But no, it was when I set that marker, set that checkpoint, and then just mm -hmm. could revert or go back or however you call it in, in the system to yep. that, that time in my, in my developer mode, so to speak, in my developer flow, yes. right? Okay, yeah, oh, that's, totally. I like and, that. And yeah, thank you. There's a, um, you know, there's a, there was a very interesting research paper from Google about 10 years ago. Um, it was called A Case for Computational Thinking, if anyone wants to go look it up. And it was an exploration of version control and, and how users felt about it. And, and really what that paper exposed is how scared a lot of people were about Git and other version control systems. But one of the phrases that the authors of that paper um, came up with was, was the idea that version control was meant to be something that um, allowed for um, for development without fear. In, in other words, like if I kept, if I was consistent about doing git commit, for instance, um, then I could always revert very quickly. And, and so like I could go explore and go, oh, that was a dead end. Let me revert. Um, and, and, and again, for various reasons, a lot having to do with git's UX and people's fear of it, um, people are still afraid of git people are still afraid to do development so so if your if your goal for source control is to do development without to enable development without fear like i have to say git failed um and so like i've made it i've tried to make it as explicit and obvious as i possibly can to enable development without fear uh, and 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 i think i don't know how you get there and and like i'll i'll just talk about my own personal flow i'm I hit control S a lot um, and I, and I don't commit often. So like, I'll be, I'm, I'm the guy who has been working on like, like, and this is grace. Like, and of course, like grace's source control is Git right now because grace isn't ready to self-host yet. 
Um, one, you know, as soon as it is, I certainly will. Um, but, uh, um, but I'm that guy who will work on something for two or three nights and then be like, Oh, I didn't commit, you know? And then like, Oh, now, now I have like 17 files that I've changed and it's a little confusing about what exactly I did. And, and, and if we can imagine that, if we can replay that in a grace scenario, um, all every time I hit save, I would have those. I would have those stored on the server, um, and be able to use that time machine like view to go back and and so now I've I've created that development without fear. If I go down a wrong path, I can see oh that didn't work. Um, I can do better. So uh, I'm, I I look forward. I personally like. I mean, to some extent, let's face it. When you build software, you build it for yourself first, right? And and so I'm really looking forward to having that sort of automatic save. Same thing. And, and for what it's worth, just to mention a couple of other um, source control products that are going on, um, you know, I'm not the only one who uh, has looked at the state of source control and thought, wow, maybe it's time for something new. And, and I think when you look at when you just do trend analysis of anything in our business, um, in, in, on, on the developer side of it, nothing has ever gotten to 90 something percent of the market and then stayed there forever. Like nothing, zero things that I'm aware of have done that. Um, you know, even like, uh, and of course, uh, as I said, I go back, I go back a few years. Um, you know, even the concept of relational databases, which was dominant when you said the word database in the nineties and two thousands, what you meant was relational database that has fallen away. Um, windows was 95% of the desktop market and 95% of the server market. It's clearly not anymore. Um, so all these things kind of kind of have a trend cycle. And um, when you see something that is at the top of that trend cycle, like there's nowhere else for Git to go. It's at 94%. Um, uh, that's your indication in our business that something new is probably going to be created soon that's going to start taking that 1%, 2% and start to grow. And so like this is the time um, that, this is the opportunity, I think, this window of time in 23, 24, maybe 25, where you can build a new source control system that might that might be happening. Google is building one called JJ, um, which is a lovely system. I'm, I'm lucky to know that team that's building it. Um, they're doing great work. JJ is a kind of a front end. It, it, it can be a front end for Git. It can be a front end for something that they might build themselves. Uh, and it uh, it's it. They ha they share a lot of the views I I do in terms of the problems of Git, and so they address them in a different way. But but they do beautiful work. Um, uh, Martin on on GitHub, it's Martin Von Z slash JJ. If you want to go look at that, um, there's another a project called Pihul P I J U L, which is um, uh, uh, named after a, a, a bird, uh, it's a Spanish name Spanish word for bird, and it's uh, it's actually a, a mathematically based patch based distributed version control system. It's a lovely piece of work. Uh, really recommend it. Plastic SCM is another one that Unity purchased a couple of years ago. Um, uh, Pablo uh, uh, and his team have built something amazing. I, I actually get, like whenever I look at plastic, which isn't very often because I get discouraged looking at it, like I, it's so the UX, the UI is really, really nice. I have to admit. So I look at it and I you get that feeling of like, oh, I'm so far behind. Um, but but that's really so 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 like I'm certainly not the only one who's looked at this and went like oh maybe it's time um, I just want to throw my hat in the ring and 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 do something that's really different from all the other ones. Um, so uh, seems like you uh, you've been developing for just about as long as I have. So but I started out with source code control was like 
visual source say, you know, yeah. hey, rest in peace. <laughs> and then <laughs> uh, moved on to, you know, uh, like Source Gear Vault uh, yeah. and Team Foundation Server and things like that. And those were all centralized. And you have to deal with the, you know, checkout, check-in, right. you know, locking of things. Does does Grace do something similar to that? Do you have to check out and check in? No. Um, so, so that, that's, a, that's a very interesting question. So, so no, first, first short answer is no, absolutely not. Cause I would, I lived the pain of that. Um, so, so no, um, on the other hand, um, one interesting feature that, um, you know, w- one of the other main source control systems that's out there is Perforce and Perforce, um, uh, has something that Git doesn't have, which is it's got a very nice ability to handle large files. And that's really why like game developers, for instance, like any, any, um, any system that requires large binary files, um, uh, Perforce is still the sort of system of choice for those. And um, I had the opportunity to talk to one of the people who does source control over in the Xbox team. And, uh, and they made it very clear that uh, uh, there is no way they could do source control without locking because Unlike text files, like text files, if you edit lines 30 to 40 and I edit line 70 to 80, it doesn't really matter. Um, but in if you don't lock, let's say, let's say that I'm working on, um, I'm updating one of the tracks in Forza and I'm adding, you know, a few trees to turn three. Well, that's a binary file and there's no such thing as merging my changes with someone else's. I need to lock that file and be the only one editing it. So if I'm going to go after Perforce and I will, um, uh, uh, because, uh, you know, Grace, by the way, I didn't, I didn't, we haven't talked about the technologies it's built on, but it's built on object storage, not on like local repo tightly packed stuff. It's built on something like, if you can imagine, imagine Azure blob storage or Amazon S3 or whatever. So, so you have unlimited file storage and you can handle unlimited file sizes with Grace. I've tested it up to 10 gig files so far. Not, not that I think 10 gig files should be in source control, but it, but it does work. Um, so, so those users are going to need locking anyway. Um, so, so, so it's a feature that I need to build in the future. I don't think it'll be in a 1.0, but, but I need to enable locking. Um, but, I, but, but, but by default, absolutely not. I, I agree. I, I, we've, I think, you know, anyone who lived through that time uh, has done the thing where it's Friday afternoon, the person locked the file you need, they're gone for the weekend. This is in the before days, you know, like, uh, uh, and, and now what? Um, and of course you then get the, uh, you, you then get the questions of like, but what if I'm on an airplane and I, and I kind of go, I, I, I'm not writing a source control system for the 0.00001%. Like, I don't care, right? Yeah, um, and without locking or without the checkout and check-in, then you kind of run into the situation where it's last person to say wins. Well, I'm the last person in your branch. I mean, you know, again, you're you're doing your branch. So you're, all, you're always in a branch, just like Git. Um, so... Uh, uh, so, so yeah, you can edit your files to your heart's content. It's only when you when you attempt when you do a commit and then request you know permission to do a promotion to main. That's when that version would be promoted. Or, so can or, two people again, work in the same branch then? What's that? Uh, can can work two people on the same branch then at the same time, like a, a feature branch or something? It's it's theoretically possible. I haven't ever um, really. I haven't deeply tested that. I I messed with that one day to just see how it kind of yeah, felt. Yeah. Um, it's it, it's it's possible. I don't know that that's going to be a mainstream use case. And I think things like Live Share, Visual Studio mm-hmm. Live Share, 
are, are maybe a better use for that um, pair programming scenario. But with that said, um, I could, you know, like, like there's nothing about Grace right now that prevents multiple people from having that, you know, from like my current branch is the same as someone else's current branch. And whenever something gets updated, um, it gets pushed back down to the other user. One one other thing, you know, I haven't, there's lots of stuff I haven't mentioned yet about Grace, but um, Grace, when you're running Grace Watch, I use SignalR to have a live connection to the server. So there's that sort of two-way communication going on where when some when an event happens in the repo, and, and you can think of all of these things as just, Grace is event-driven um, in, in a very pure way. So all these things are just events that can be used as triggers for behaviors. So you can... You know, like what one of the things that that Grace does that I, that I think is very interesting uh, and unique is auto rebasing. So when here's you know if the four of us are working in a repo and one of us does a promotion to main and main gets updated, like within seconds, all the other the other three well you know the other three will get their branches rebased on that new promotion in main. Um, Provided there are no no file conflicts, and and what that actually does, what what that does is, first of all, it reduces the number of merge conflicts or promotion conflicts in Grace terminology, um, and it also like pushes them forward in time. And and to me, um, as a as a GitHub user, my goal when I create a PR, um, I'm somebody who creates a PR at the end. I know there are certainly people who you who as soon as they start working on a task, create a PR that they'll eventually finish. Mm-hmm. And that's a totally valid way to do it. Um, I'm somebody who like does the work and then creates the yeah, yeah. PR. And, and, and so when I create that PR, my goal is to have the shortest amount of time between when I create that PR and when it gets merged. Like that's really what I'm trying to do. I want that button to turn green as quickly as possible. I want the approvals to happen. I want you know all that reviews to happen and get it done before. I want that done before anything else happens that would cause a merge conflict. Right? That's really the number one fear. And I think merge conflicts are one of those things that causes anxiety and fear. So another goal of Grace has all has been from the start to minimize merge conflicts. Um, and, and auto rebasing is one of the main ways that I do that. But and and what that also means is that as soon as it does auto rebase, if there's a if there is a conflict detected, I can tell you right away. And I can go, hey, you want to just take a look at this real quick. And while you're in flow, while you're working in the code, while you're you know, you've just edited that file that just also got edited by someone else. Well, you know what you just did. Take a quick look at it. Resolve the conflict immediately with a good UI. And now you don't have to think about it. You have to worry about it at the end. So so, so, so how is that, uh, that uh, mage, emerge uh, conflict uh, UI? I mean, if, if uh, uh, you resolve the conflict by either using the other people's version or your mm-hmm. own version, then you mm-hmm. can, again, point to that specific basically hash or, or timestamp, right? So you are directly in, in your model. <clears throat> But what happens if you have to take half of A and half of B? Um, uh, well, it, I mean, what, whatever it is that you take out of that merge conflict, mm-hmm. and to be clear, I have not written this UI yet. Mm-hmm. I'll, I will I will be creating a GUI using Avalonia for sure. Oh, um, nice. But um, uh, uh, I, I'm a big believer in native UI. Mm-hmm. I hate Electron and we could, I could, I can shit on Electron forever. I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on this podcast, but I just did. Um, oh, fair, fair um, enough, enough. So you don't like Slack or Teams or something? I mean, uh, not once a fan. they are loaded. Not a fan <laughs> okay. I just like, I, I just, I, you know, like we have, the way I always say it is like, we have this first rate hardware yeah. 
you know, I'm, I'm talking, I'm, I'm speaking to you on a computer with a 24 core CPU and, uh, and a 12 gig video card. And you're telling me the best UI you can give me for that is something in a browser. Like, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't, I don't accept it. Like, I don't think that, I think we're doing a disservice to ourselves doing that. Um, so I will create a native, native GUI anyway. Um, you know, as far as the merge conflict thing at the end of that, whatever it is that you resolve, all that that is, all of that resolution is, is a new version of that file. Okay. That's all it is. It's a new version of that file that becomes a new save that you can then checkpoint or commit or whatever. So um, like, that's all it is. I don't, um, I don't have linkages in Grace back to like, oh, but this one was based on this version and this version, the way kind of Git does. Um, it's not necessary. It's a, it, it's, it's necessary in a distributed system to understand kind of provenance, but it's not required in a centralized system at all. Uh, so, so I don't have it. What, if it becomes a problem, one could imagine adding some tag or something, but, but it's really because it becomes metadata, not, not uh, primary data, if you will. So, so I would question this a little bit, to be honest. Like yeah. many times I had big merges, which I had to start from scratch a couple of times just because I messed it up. I use KD3. Um, I think I kind of understand this tool. I know what to do. And still, when there is a bigger merge, especially when someone renames variables or whatever, things get messy, right? Yeah. So in your case, if I'm getting that right, what you're saying is that when someone submitted something or promoted something that would cause a merge conflict um, mm -hmm. or conflict on my end, yeah. I'm yeah. resolving that. I basically create a new save and I don't have this like free way branching or freeway history that KD3 shows me, right? But what if I need to start from scratch? How would that look like? Um, I, I don't have that yet. Uh, I, and I, I don't, I, I'm not saying, I, in no way am I saying you're wrong. You know, and like this, this so far, this has been a solo project. And so I, I look forward to um, getting this kind of feedback and, and, and hopefully building a community around it and, and building features that people really need. Um, my experience as a developer is that I haven't needed that. Um, and, and again, like it's not, it's not that I haven't once or twice in my career run into such a bad merge conflict that I just had to be like, I don't know what's happening here. I got to think it through from first principles. Um, again, when, when that happens, um, it's just another version of the file that I'm saving. And, uh, and, and you can certainly, you can get away with that and you can create tags on any version you want, you know, not just checkpoints, but I have a tag, in other words, a label. So if that's helpful in terms of metadata, and if, and if we find out that this is a, um, a requirement that, that programmers have, that it happens often enough that it causes pain, I'm completely open to um, adding the right features that, that help people comprehend how source got, you know, got to the state it's in. Um, one one interesting thing about um, doing auto rebasing like that is um, uh, it will expose when there's a really big file in a system that everyone edits all the time. So like, and that's actually a code smell. I saw this presentation on YouTube once and I can't find it anymore because the title was like not related to the topic. Unfortunately, I can't remember it. But um, but the, the point of the presentation was this guy did, did research and looked at um, a large code base and looked at the bugs that were reported 
against the code and looked at the files that were involved in the PRs where those bugs appeared. And what he found was that um, the files where the most bugs appeared were the ones that everyone edited all the time. In other words, if you think about a crime scene, it's like where the, the pathways where everyone walked through the center of the kind of crime scene as opposed to like the, the other pathways around it. And, um, and, and so doing auto rebates will expose those files as painful pretty quickly. And the truth is they're code smells. Like we shouldn't have files that everyone edits all the time. That's a bit, that means we need to refactor those files. So, so as uh, people maybe migrate to Grace, um, one of the things that will probably end up happening is there'll be those two or three or four files in your repo that are just really big that you might want to just like factor things out so that they don't appear in every update. And then a lot of those problems about merging that you're talking about go away. I think I saw the presentation you're talking about or something very similar. It brings me about that could be Greg Young talking about metric cyclomatic complexity. Yeah. It was not Greg Young. I love Greg Young and it wasn't him, but I know. Okay, I know, um, so, okay but anyway. Him. The outcome was exactly as you were saying. When we we can check the the Git history or whatever source control history and see which files change the the the, the highest number of times, right? And this is probably the the problem with our architecture and whatnot. Um, so so yeah. And the other thing that comes to my mind, apparently, maybe we are just dealing with different code bases. That's something that came to my mind about those freeway merges. Is something that I see that pretty often. And I'm a little bit surprised you say you don't see that, that you're, or you saw that like once or twice, yes? Apparently, we are doing things different. But the same thing, um, I remember my uh, my first days in Amazon when I joined the company. Like, when I was coming from the industry and I was doing pull requests, to me, it was always like this. There is like main branch. I'm creating the feature branch, push it to the repository, and I do pull requests from my feature branch to main branch, right? This was normal to me. And it was surprising to me that when I learned in Amazon that it's not the way it works. You take the main branch, modify it locally, and you do the pull request from main branch to the main branch. And there is a tool that basically copies your main and creates something behind the scenes. So it took me a little bit to understand when I was trying to do feature branches and doing the pull request the old way, what is going on in here? Right. Um, and, you know, Google does it differently, too. Yeah. Um, you know, certainly large teams can have, have their own way to do it. Um, you know, I, I was obviously modeling the way Git does it because that's how 99% of us understand how it works. Um, with feature branches, uh, I uh, again like uh, the good the good news about creating something from scratch is that um, it's it's a pretty it's a green field and I can yeah. do whatever I want. Right yeah, you now. can be opinionated, um, right? And I mean, rightfully so. I can so, be opinionated. Right? I can be open. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, I find this uh, super super fascinating. Thank um, you. And 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 you know, like uh, the good news is you can learn Grace in about ten minutes. Like the truth is. I can, if I really, I mean, you, you already understand an awful lot about grace. Yeah. Um, there's not a ton more to it than, than I've already said out loud. The, the only other thing I, the main thing I would add is that this idea of like saves that happen automatically, mm -hmm. um, they're ephemeral. Like I only keep them for, we'll set it by the repo, but imagine seven days. Like mm -hmm. if, if that version of the repo that you, that are, you know, you did save, 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 and then you did a checkpoint or you did a commit. Well, that one is going to hang out for a while 
you know, a commit is going to hang out forever. But but all those saves, if nothing else is pointing to them, after seven days, they just get deleted. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, you know, it's not, um, you know, we're not just building and building and building. So you could imagine that, you know, the size of, of a regular repo plus seven days worth of additional single files, which is really not a ton of space. And last time I checked Azure Blob Storage, had a lot of disks. So, uh, you know, I'm not, not concerned about storage in that way. Storage um, is cheap, right? Storage is cheap. So like, that's really it. If you understand the concept of like saves, checkpoints, yeah. commits, promotions, and you understand that saves are ephemeral, like you kind of know grace um, in, a, in a significant way. There's obviously more to it, but but that's that's how simple I'm trying to make it. And I always say to people, like imagine, you know, compare that to your experience learning Git. Um, it took a little bit longer, I'm going to bet. And, uh, and, and the joke I always like, like to use is, uh, being, you know, of course, Grace is written in F sharp. So I've gotten into functional programming and I like to say to people, would you, would you rather explain Git or would you rather explain what a monad is Mm -hmm. to someone? Um, and I'd rather explain what a monad is. Monads are not hard to describe. Git is quite a bit more challenging, I think. So, um, and that's really, you know, that's the level I'm trying to avoid all that. I'm trying to make it really, really simple to understand. I know we're um, we're we're uh, we've been running for a bit. I'm I, I would love to talk for just a couple minutes about functional programming. If that's uh... and one more one more question here is yeah, that, please. Uh, you know when, when that promotion like somebody promotes to main, yeah, does that everybody else get that automatically in behind the scenes or does everybody get prompted say hey there's been a promotion to main, would you like to accept those changes to your local copy? Right. Um, to to be determined. I, I you know right now the way Grace Watch is written, um, it would be notified and just do it automatically. That's just kind of how far I've gotten with writing that code. Um, I I imagine when we get into the level of uh, integrating it with IDEs, for instance, you know we're all we're all pretty spoiled. I mean all the IDEs have done a ton of work with Git and ma- making them flow well in the IDEs. If you can you know again like skate to where the puck is going. If if we imagine where uh, you know, the next integration of it, I can certainly imagine a switch where you go, don't auto rebase, like, let me know and let me decide that. Um, and I'm, I, I, I kind of expect to write that feature. I just haven't yet. Okay. Excellent. Um, but I do think that's a user call. Um, and, and also to be clear, like grace can be used without grace watch. Like you can use grace without doing the auto saves and, the, and all that stuff. But what it, what it means is that, Let's say I'm not using Grace Watch and I'm just writing code and saving files, doing all the things, and then I'm ready to do a commit. Well, at that point now, I have to kind of inspect your entire working directory to see what's changed. And um, and I have to check it against what the server has. Like I have to do some stuff. That just means it takes an extra second or two. And if it's a really large repo, it could take multiple seconds. Um, so Grace Watch is that performance benefit in that situation, but you don't, it's not strictly neat. I obviously understand that there are lots of situations where that won't be possible to run something like that, even though it's super lightweight and easy. And it doesn't if it's, if it's not doing anything, it's really, I've watched it in process map monitor. It doesn't do anything. You know, it's, it's really lightweight. Um, but yeah, you know, we have to plan for those, those sorts of scenarios. Um, yeah. All right. Excellent. Uh, we are we are almost out of time, unfortunately. However, please, please, uh, Scott, do come back because I would be so interested in to. learning about 
why you chose F sharp and whether that really facilitated uh, all of the implementation. I, I think that would be another fascinating topic. So I uh, would be, be happy super to happy answer. to have you back. But you cannot leave without uh, providing leave. us with your pick if you would like to start. Or, or should we start uh, and uh, which which would give you what, two extra minutes? Why, why don't you start while I look through my YouTube history? Really quick, <laughs> okay, perfectly fine, perfectly fine. Uh, so uh, be, before Sean was here, I was uh, considering doing something from streaming, uh, but uh, uh, now I can uh, use uh, the the tool uh, I wanted to mention. So uh, this time it's software again because I'm done binging a hijack. Um, <laughs> on uh, on Apple TV Plus, um, and I would like to uh, quickly uh, mention JSCPD. Um, that's uh, a copy paste detector. So I, I have this quite often when I'm analyzing code bases. So when doing due diligence uh, of of some company's uh, tech stack, for instance, that you know sometimes depending on how software is written, especially big complex software, new people getting on board, they uh, kind of look at other parts of the application, and then use the the only software pattern we can all agree on uh, upon, right? Uh, copy and paste. And so JCPD is a super fast. I think it's O O of N, uh, super fast uh, on average, a super fast uh, command line tool. But it's also an API. You can use it uh, from from Node.js, etc. That detects copy and paste. They're using an algorithm that is kind of hashing. So it's looking for hashes, but it's like a rolling hash. So it kind of looks looks everywhere for that hash. And it's super interesting when analyzing code bases to just see, okay, uh, well, what's, what's the amount of, of, of copy and paste? And if it's a lot, then maybe you can kind of find a better way by using whatever templates or uh, create a component or, or stuff like that. Uh, really useful. Uh, and uh, so if that's something you could use, uh, please feel free to check it out. Uh, over to you, Adam. Uh, thank you. So my pick for this week is a software application that is called United Sets. Um, and generally, if you ever use browsers, you know you have tabs. But how cool would that be to be able to take two completely independent applications and make them tabs in one window? This is something you could do for many years. For instance, Conemu, Console Emulator, was capable of doing that. And now there is a, a separate app, United Sets, um, that you can just download and try doing exactly that. It's still beta, not working perfectly. It likes, for instance, shortcuts. I mean, Control Tab is cool. We would like to have that some done in some intuitive way. Also, if you try capturing like browser window and then you hit Control N to create new window for this browser, it jumps out of this United set. So definitely some uh, still room for improvement, but generally really, really nice idea, especially that if you are uh, like a big fan of multi-containers in Firefox, but you need mm -hmm. to use Chrome. So you can use Chrome with multiple profiles, but hey, they come with different windows. Now you can make them tabs inside mm -hmm. one window. So pretty good use case, at least that was the mine. Uh, but, cool. uh, but as I'm saying, uh, some more ends uh, like I's to dot, T's to cross, mm -hmm. uh, but hopefully maybe useful. So that's my pick for this week. Over awesome. to you, Sean. <laughs> 
All right. So earlier today, I was looking for something that can update my little avatar images that I have in like Microsoft Teams or other different places, things like that. So I wanted something that could take an image of me and basically convert it into a cartoonish or, you know, comic style look. And I came upon a site called Fotor, F-O-T-O-R. And uh, I thought it really did a good job. I haven't found the one that I actually want to use, but it gives you a couple different credits to get started with and then you have to pay after that. But it seemed to be pretty affordable. And I like some of the different choices, things like that, that it gave me. So uh, that's my pick today is Kotor. Excellent. And last but not least, Scott. Um, so I don't know if you've heard of this thing called chat GPT. It's really, really, oh, no, sorry. um, <laughs> um, uh, I'll, 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 I'll give you, I'll give you, uh, I know I almost just took one off. I'll, I'll pick two. One, one is Dapper, D-A-P-R. Mm-hmm. And, and I've actually written grace on top of Dapper. I love Dapper. If you haven't looked at it yet, I really, really highly recommend it. Dapper.io. Yeah. Um, it's a wonderful, uh, multi-platform. It's a, it's a way to write your code once and run it on as many platforms as you as you want, it supports over a hundred different um, plugin uh, 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 pieces at runtime. Um, one other uh, thing I would like to recommend, and I'll, I'll um, stick in chat, is a wonderful presentation I saw from NDC Oslo, where uh, where I presented also. If you want to find that video, um, but uh, Lila Bugria uh, did a wonderful talk on um, tracing uh, in a in a distributed system, and, and particularly in a message based system. I think we're all we all think about how easy it is to to plug things in with things like service bus, event hubs, RabbitMQ, whatever it is. Um, but tracing uh, uh, errors as they flow through the systems is really challenging. And she did a wonderful presentation on um, on how to tag those messages and how to think about uh, tracing errors in those systems. I, I thought it was very comprehensive. So really enjoyed that talk. Excellent. Great. Thanks for those uh, those two picks. Great episodes. Uh, thank you, Scott. Uh, thanks for being with thank us. Thank you so and, much for having me. I really appreciate it. Yes, uh, we did that. We certainly did that as well. And I uh, hope you'll be back and really would be, would be excited to talk about, uh, about uh, F-Sharp and the involvement Anytime. and how you set up your, your, uh, uh, the, the Grace system. All right. So that's from us uh, this week. Uh, uh, hope uh, you have a great weekend. Uh, stay safe and uh, uh, see and hear you all next time here on Adventures in Dotnet. Bye-bye.